Welcome back, everyone, to Minds Matter. I'm Ava in the studio, and of course, Beth is joining us from Zoom. Hi, guys. Far away time zone. And this is actually, for all of you who care, for all of you who have been here with us <laughs> since the beginning, um, this is going to be our last time in the Amsterdam studio. So um, oh, it's emotional. I had a little cry before. <laughs> yeah, so there's a lot going on today. Um, but yeah, so enjoy hearing my voice this crisply for what might be the last time because we might be um, transitioning to, to Beth being in the studio. Um, but we'll keep you updated on all of, on all of that. Um, and today we're ending with kind of a weird yeah. theme. It's not exactly a party I know, theme. I was thinking that. Um, it's not over. We're going to continue, hopefully. Um, <laughs> but today we're going to be talking about something that maybe you've experienced, uh, maybe a lot during the pandemic. Um, something that hopefully you don't experience when you listen to our podcast. Um, but today we're going to be talking about boredom, um, which actually we were doing the research for, and it's a really cool topic. So hopefully you're not yeah, going to feel surprised. that emotion. Yeah. I didn't yeah. think there'd be so much stuff, but no, it was really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're going to get into all of that. Um, but first, of course, you know, we like to start with our definitions. Um, and if you've listened for a while, you might know that Beth likes to start with some nice poetic definitions. So we're going to start with a definition from uh, Leo Tolstoy, who said that boredom was the desire to desire, which pretty much is um, a really great definition of boredom and is essentially agreed upon um, by psychologists. And so psychologists pretty much now agree on the fact that boredom is an emotion. Um, but interestingly, unlike other emotions where you're focusing on something, where they make you really tune into something like fear, like see a snake in the grass, you get scared. It's like you have to pay attention to that potential snake or a log or whatever it is. Um, but boredom is the opposite. So boredom is telling you you need to get out of this situation. So it's one of the only emotions that tells you go away. Don't focus on this. Um, so. That's kind of where the consensus ends, actually, on what boredom is. So we know it's an emotion, but the cause of boredom is actually really highly disputed. Um, and we're going to talk about two of those uh, two of those causes. So the first one is called essentially attentional boredom, which you might have experienced if you are, you know, just sitting, um, twiddling your thumbs and you don't have anything to focus on, you don't have anything to pay attention to, and you feel bored. So that's one type of boredom. Um, and some studies have investigated this and have found kind of by accident, these like kind of crazy effects from people being intentionally bored. So um, one study from a few years ago, that was kind of a joint effort, I think from like Harvard and University of Virginia, um, from Dan Gilbert and some other um, people that we'll be talking about, they were actually looking into people who do or do not enjoy um, being alone with their thoughts. So just thinking by themselves and daydreaming and doing things like that. So they had participants like these undergrads come in and um, they told them, OK, you're going to just be sitting in a room by yourself for 15 minutes and just think, just like have a little think. Um, but there was a twist and before they went in the room, they told them, we're also going to give you this machine that can shock you, like you can have an electric shock. And they let the participants feel the shock before they went in the room. So that eliminates, you know, the curiosity of what the shock would feel like. And then they locked them in this room, nothing to do, sit at a table, and there's an electric shock machine. And they found that, like, 
a lot of people shocked themselves multiple times to escape this boredom. That's how bad it was. And one guy even shocked himself like 190 times in the span no. of 15 minutes. 15 minutes. No. To the point where one of the RAs, apparently, like one of the undergrad RAs, had to go in and make sure that the machine wasn't broken. So she sat there shocking herself 100 times to make sure that she could do it in 15 minutes. So that's how bored one guy got. Um, and so, yeah, essentially this idea that people hate being bored and they've done similar studies where they have people watch like an 85 second, um, tennis video, but they watch it on a loop for an hour. And they found that in those cases, people shock themselves on average 22 times, which honestly I would probably do the same because an hour, (laughs) an hour, 22 times. That sounds good to me. That's like, you're sitting through something for five minutes. You know, that's a lot. That's, That's Um, so that's like one of the components of, of boredom is just like your attention is just not captured by anything and you're really trying to escape it. Um, so people so, argue that that's a reason people get bored and there's a second reason as well. Well, I actually have an, an another electric shock study. I think when we were talking before, it's a different one. Oh, psychologists love these. Yeah, no. So this one's kind of crazy. So it's the same thing sitting in the room for 15 minutes but in one study, they shocked people so, so not a little shock, like a really strong shock. And it was so unpleasant that three quarters of them say what they would pay never to experience this again. Like that's how painful it was. And they had to sit in the room for 15 minutes, but they could get out if they shocked themselves. With this pain that was so strong, they would, before they said they'll pay never to feel that again. And 67% of males shocked themselves to get out and 25% of women. And they, so they couldn't sit there for 15 minutes. Yep. Yep. (laughs) That sounds about right. Yeah. I think we'll get into some discussions maybe later on of like, um, like whether, you know, we're becoming worse at this and whether social media is making us even more, um, kind of averse to boredom. But yeah, when was this studied, you know, in like 2014, maybe? Yeah, and it was at the University of Virginia. Yeah. Um, Wilson. Yeah. So I guess it's like same theme of shocks and boredom, but yeah, more painful and you could get out with the shock. Yeah. So even in 2014, people were desperately trying to get out. I guess social media already. <laughs> Not sure if it would be worse now. Um, um, but yeah, so there's a second kind of reason that some people argue, like some people argue that it's not about attention. It's not about the fact that um, your attention is is not being captured, but it's actually something else, um, which Beth is going to share with us. Yeah, so I looked at a study that was about being bored creates a sense of meaningless. So yeah, when when you're bored, you just feel yeah, you kind of you kind of feel nothing. Um, and this study, so this will be good to chat about with Ava because it's actually a social psychology study, and I'm not an expert in this, so. Nor am I, but okay. (laughs) (laughs) So this was a study done by Professor Van Dilberg. And so he's now at King's College, but he did his PhD in Ireland. So this study was done in Ireland. Um, So what they wanted to do was to test. um, I actually found it a bit hard to understand. So I'm going to try and explain it. They wanted to see that if so, when you're bored, feel like there's no meaning so when you're exposed to things that have meaning and I'll give it I'll go through what they were 
you want to reestablish meaning in your life again so you respond more strongly than you would if you weren't bored beforehand um so one of the ones was they so all the students were irish and they wanted to have a look at um if boredom promotes a positive evaluation of in-group teachers so in-groups are a group that's your own group of people so i don't know my in-group would be australians or things like that and then out group is something that's not 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 like you yeah and those things can um, change so like beth yeah. could be if if she was you know in a group of people who are from melbourne and then a group of people from sydney then the salient or like most important group would then be the melbourne in group but obviously then if they were confronted with a bunch of canadians <laughs> then, <laughs> then beth might feel the identity happen. the identity of being australian more strongly so those things can change yeah. also um so they had um irish students complete a really boring task it was um putting putting pegs in mm. holes there, anyway something really simple something really boring and then after the task they asked them if they liked the name owen but they gave them two different spellings so you could have the spelling O-W-E-N, which is like American English spelling, or you could have the spelling E-I-O-N, which is the traditional Irish spelling. I know. <laughs> and the more bored people were, the more they liked the traditional Irish name. So this study claims that because they were more bored, they had less meaning and they wanted to reestablish some sort of meaning. So they felt closer to this traditional Irish name. Hmm. And there's, so there's two more examples, which I thought would be interesting. So another one is, this is an out member, an out group member example. So they do the boring, the boring task and then they're like, okay, an English person has beaten up an Irish person. So in this sense, the English person is in the out group. And how much jail time will you give them? But in this one afterwards, they also asked them how meaningless they felt. So like what their sense of meaning. And they found the more bored people were, the longer prison sentence they gave to the English person. The more bored people were, the more sense of meaningless they had. So they claim that this is again like, oh, the more bored they are, the more meaningless they feel. So again, they're like, um, we feel more sense of, we want more meaning, so we're going to hate the English person more. Is this making sense? <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. That's kind of dark. Uh, well, no, yeah, well, I mean, this could have consequences for so many things. And then this this other one, they did it on symbols. So they the same setup, but they showed people a music note, a symbol pie, a shamrock, which is like the Irish clover thing, and the copyright symbol, and... The, between the board group and the non-board group, the board people were way more loving the shamrock, whereas the other, the music note, the pie, the copyright had no difference between board and not board, whereas the shamrock, which is like a symbol of island, people felt if they were more bored, strong, more stronger about that. So do you think, because I was like, can you really say that yeah. people are trying to reestablish meaning from being bored? Is that what's going on? I mean, I think, okay, so I think that there is evidence that, you know, there is this idea of, like, one form of boredom is 
meaningless boredom. Um, and I think that there are there there is evidence that that exists. But to me, like this proof of it, and the idea that like you're reestablishing meaning by identifying more strongly with your in group, that feels like a jump to me. Like that kind of feels like yeah. an Occam's razor. Like maybe you're jumping too far type thing. Um, because to me, it kind of seems like that maybe the easier answer is just that it's like something that's familiar and you feel bored. So you're like, oh, like, okay, th this oh, reminds me easy. of more things. Yeah. And like, maybe that also like allows the attentional boredom to be released a bit because you, you get to think of more um, things that are associated with, with um, the shamrock or like with spelling Owen in that kind of way. Maybe, you know, a couple Owens that have their names spelled that way. I don't know. Um, so I would say like maybe you need another study that can test those kinds of um, effects where it's it's just like a third variable problem that it's not actually about meaning. Um, That's what I thought. Cause I also thought like maybe because they were bored, like that Owen is a more interesting name. So they just are more because it's like spelt differently. So they're more interested in that. And it's more fun to put that man in prison for longer because they've been bored. Or the shamrock stands out between the music notes, the copyright and the pie symbol. So I also thought that. Like I was reading this and I was like, mm. like it's cool what they found, but I just don't know if if I think I like that conclusion was pretty, pretty strong. Yeah, I agree. And I think like parsing out the the difference between like attentional boredom and like meaningless boredom is kind of hard because even in even in the, the study that I was talking about that was like supposed to illustrate attentional boredom, you can argue that there's you also feel like meaningless, um, yeah. because you know you're you're just sitting there doing nothing. You're like, what doing this? Um, so I think those things are really difficult, but they are kind of like characterized in the literature by like different feelings. So maybe that would also be a way to get at it because attentional boredom is supposed to be yeah caused by these attention deficits and is like you're feeling like it's hard to concentrate and your mind wandering and you don't have a lot of like attentional capacity. But then meaningless boredom is like meaning deficits and you actually feel kind of like intense and uncomfortable. So like the so-called high arousal yeah. and you feel more like sad and lonely and time. Apparently the time perceptions are more intense, like the distortions of time perception in feeling this kind of meaningless boredom. Um, and like you really want to disengage. Whereas like it doesn't feel like people are really disengaging or like there's evidence of those kinds of things in that study, but it's really interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, if it's true, then I guess it's kind of disturbing. Cause yeah. Then, like if it's true, we've got a lot to worry about. I feel like, <laughs> yeah, that's not great. Um, especially, well, I mean, I guess you could argue for it because I feel like during COVID, you know, things, people have yeah, been probably true. more bored and, you know, these divisions have gotten worse. But at the same time, you know, there's been like economic downturn, crises, yes. like which <laughs> probably <laughs> is sowing the outgroup, in-group divisions more. Yeah. Um, but that's interesting. I'd love to see a follow-up. I'd love to see like a further examination yeah. of that. It's still, they're still researching it now. So yeah, who knows what they'll, what they'll find out. All right. We'll be watching the space. Um. <laughs> But yeah, so these two things that we were talking about were really to show that there is this disagreement um, in the literature about like what causes boredom. And um, there's 
a couple of researchers, especially one researcher, uh, Dr. Aaron Westgate, who's at the University of Florida, who's really working on trying to bring these two perspectives together. Um, so they have a whole model of how they think boredom works, um, which is called the meaning and attention component model. Um, and so they basically argue that it's both which makes sense. Um, so you get bored when you're not able to pay attention or when you can't find meaning in what you're doing. Um, so yeah. there's like really both of those elements. So even if you can pay attention, but you think there's no meaning, then you're also going to get bored. Um, and so she argues that there's like a few ways that you can then kind of alleviate your boredom, these different ways of like boredom regulation. So first, like we're just giving you some tips. Maybe these will help. <laughs> First, you can regulate your so-called cognitive demands. So that's like making a task harder or easier. So if you're bored, oh, maybe, yeah. you know, if you're like, oh, I really don't want to mop up my floor. You know, if you add some music, if you put on a yeah. podcast, yeah. <laughs> um, maybe you'll you'll feel better about it. Um, or also, she she also mentions the fact that people can get bored when something is too intense and too difficult um, because you just then yeah. disengage. So also if you feel like you're getting bored um, because something is too hard, which I feel like, you know, as someone who reads papers and like does that kind of stuff, sometimes yeah, if a paper is really difficult, um, it's too much. Yeah. And that makes me feel like I'm bored. Like, I don't know if you've ever sat in like a lecture or, you know, a talk by someone and it just goes so above your head that you're just like sitting there bored. Yeah, you get um, so you can also, if you have that situation, you can kind of break down your task into simpler chunks, um, and that can help you concentrate. Um, then she also gives the advice of like regulating your so-called cognitive resources. Um, so that's like your, basically like your physiological options, like caffeine and sleep, um, or other substances. Um, but, uh, maybe that's not a great idea for the other substances, um, but she argues that long-term kind of like more adaptive approaches that don't involve substances would be just like sustained practice and paying attention and developing your skills. So like scaffolding, um, different kinds of, uh, skills that you might have that could help with paying attention to stuff like coding. You got to start somewhere. Yeah. Um, but then for meaning, she argues that an important thing to do is like regulating your goals. So this kind of meaning mismatch she argues can come up when your goals don't align with the task that you're doing. So you can picture like someone who's, I don't know, like a hardcore communist who's in a job, like at a, a fortune 500 company, like crunching numbers. <laughs> Not aligning. Yeah. That will probably make you feel like a little bit meaningless and therefore bored. Um, so she says just like trying to mentally reframe your activities as more yeah. meaningful um, and like kind of editing the story in your mind can really help. Um, and also just considering how like your long long term goals kind of can fit into stuff. So they've done this with um, students uh, who hate doing homework and they've been like, OK, think about, you know, the long term goals that you have. And maybe that helps. And it, they, it, they find that it actually does. Um, and then finally, she just says, you know, switch activities, just change activities change it up. Yeah. Um, and that kind of brings us to this changing activities brings us to this idea of like, what does boredom actually cause you to do? Does it cause you to do bad things? Does it cause you to do good things? Because there's evidence of both. So boredom has been tied to like really good things, which Beth is going to talk about. Um, and also to like some issues like substance abuse, depression, anxiety, like a whole host of kind of negative behaviors and feelings. Um, 
So the jury, in a way, is kind of still out on whether it's good or bad, but there are some good effects to boredom. Uh, yeah, so I thought it was interesting when reading this stuff because, yeah, there was, like, some people like, oh, it's so bad and we need to work out how not to be bored. And there's other people who are like, no, em- embrace boredom. So this is more on the um, embrace boredom camp. So there's Sandy Mann, and she wrote the book The Upside of Downtime. And this book also, I won't go into it in the podcast, but talks a lot about, like, you know, use of phones and, like, the kind of world we live in at the moment and that we don't really have the boredom that we used to have and, like, how that's um, problematic. So she's, she thinks we do need to be more bored. And um, one study that she did um, showed that boredom actually promotes creativity. So she had uh, participants they had to copy phone numbers down just out of a book for 20 minutes and then make things and then after this they had to make um, objects from paper and cups and they also did the how bored do you feel and the people who were more bored during copying the phone numbers now down after made um, way more creative outcomes with the paper and the cups like it, it was it was you know, far more interesting. They could make more things. So this suggested that, you know, during this this bored time, become more creative. And some of the reasons that they think this is the case is um, because of like mind wandering. And I think we've we've spoken about this before in, in the podcast about like how when you're mind wandering, you have you can you know there's been instances of where people have the aha moment and all of these things. So she argues that because we're having less of this time at the moment, we're not being able to be more creative. And this study was replicated and, well, it was slightly different, but I think it's good to always, it's, 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 if you read a study and it's been done again, that's a good thing because sometimes in psychology that cannot happen. So this was done at ANU just last year or something, very recently. And the boredom task, they had people sorting like beans in a bowl by color so one by one they had to sort them in color so how like so dull and then the task was to come up for excuses for being like that wouldn't make someone look bad so this mm. isn't like so much this is a different kind of creativity this isn't making objects it's like coming up with these ideas and it was judged by people who weren't involved in the experiment and it the people who were more bored came up with like more excuses and they were more creative and more believable. Hmm. Wow, that's really <laughs> cool. That's really interesting. Yeah, it kind of makes you wonder like what's going on? Like cuz was no. it that they in this study did they know that they were going to have to do this and then they were just made to feel bored for a while or it was like you're bored and then it's like okay, do this task. Yeah you're bored and now you do this. So they didn't know. Like during their boredom, they weren't planning. That's the thing. Like same with the people who were making objects. They weren't told after they would make objects. Yeah, that lasting effect is really interesting because, yeah, so Beth obviously mentioned the fact that there's this a mind-wandering thing. And like in the brain, you see that um, when people are bored, there's this default mode network that's on, which is basically like what's happening when you're in quote-unquote not doing anything. And the default mode network, you know, it was found by accident. It was people were looking at by accident. They looked at how the participants were reacting when they were in this like big scanner machines between tasks. 
And they were like, whoa, why is so much going on in the brain right now? And basically every area of the brain is like connected and doing stuff because it's when you're planning and it's when you're daydreaming and mind wandering. Um, And that's boredom is essentially like doing all of this daydreaming stuff. Um, But yeah, the idea is that you plan, you know, for the future and you can get some good ideas there. But it's really interesting that there's like a lasting effect that it's not even like you're planning for that specifically and you get a great idea then, but that it continues until later. I wonder if it also could be because like when you go into the task, you don't have fatigue. So if you're doing something really hard initially and then you are asked to be creative, you're just like, I feel, you know, exhausted. I can't keep, like, I don't know if you guys have done been participants in any psych studies but some of them are just like very draining on the computer like so if you did that and someone asked me to make something out of a paper cup after I don't think I could so that was was that the difference that the that the people who were so-called not bored were doing a task um so the people no, the people who were not bored did nothing beforehand they were just told to make make the objects but so they would just come into the study and oh. do that. But they've had, you know, they've had their day, they've done their stuff. So they haven't had that 20 minute downtime. Oh, I see. I see. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, so maybe, that's, maybe it could be that. I feel like that's kind of a control problem because you don't know what they were doing before they came in. Before they doing before. Yeah. Like, okay. Well, I guess it still worked, but, um, but I would think, you know, it would be like, he watched this like 20 minute show or something but I guess that's also hard yeah, to control because you really never like stimulating yeah, yeah. you never know but I think even react. when participants I think it's hard to get participants even if they're watching a 20 minute show or something not to be bored yeah. so maybe that's why the control is nothing because it's hard to know if someone's not not bored I don't know that's true that's true I did a study recently and they made me watch Ice Age for a few minutes at the beginning and it was okay I felt a bit worse. <laughs> but then the task was worse. That's what I was thinking. If, if they had to do a task, then they would probably be really bored in like a different kind yeah, of way, you know? Um, like I feel like daydreaming, you know, daydreaming, depending on who you are, daydreaming can be really great um, or it can be really unpleasant. Um, and they've actually found a correlation between like a very a, a small but significant correlation between um, how much time people spend on social media and their phones yeah. um, and how much they enjoy daydreaming. So it's kind of like this, I th- like one researcher, uh, James Dankirk, who who has like a kind of pop psychology book about boredom, which we'll link. Um, he says that it's not that people are now getting more bored, like that people are more bored in general, but that people right. are more afraid of being bored. and I feel like that's interesting because it's like because you know we've been kind of talking about these two consequences of boredom like either self-destructive and like tied to depression which obviously is kind of like a a causality problem because maybe if you're depressed you'll feel more bored because nothing there's no meaning in your life um but also this creativity idea is like that now people are just so not used to being bored because when are you really ever bored um you don't need to be yeah, that you don't realize that it can be positive and you don't realize, like, the joys of being bored and, like... Being bored, yeah. Yeah, like, the pleasure that you can get out of daydreaming. Um, I feel like when I was younger, I would I would daydream a lot and I really enjoyed, like, sitting with my thoughts and doing my little scenarios in my head. And now I don't really do that as much, so... No, and 
now like everywhere you walk you have music like you, there's not often where you just have nothing yeah and I think if there's a way to kind of cultivate it to be a positive thing then it is a good thing to do there's there's a TED talk that will also link by a journalist who like makes this argument that that boredom is really good for you and that she got really bored when she gave birth to her child and that it was before it what, was right during the labor no like after giving birth to her child not oh. during labor I don't think that's boring I think that's just agony like, wow <laughs> no it was like uh, she like took time off and um okay. after oh, her child okay. was born and it was I think it was right before like the first smartphone came out and uh. so she was just super bored because she just had to sit with her kid all the time Okay. Yeah. And she said that then she hated it, but then she started to come up with all these ideas and like right. all these projects. And then she got a cell phone. And then she realized that whenever her kid was like doing something, which was on the playground and she kind That's of had right. downtime, she'd be doing a million things and then wasn't really feeling like as creative as she was um, when she was super bored. So that's kind of something. But, but there is this idea that it can be uh, self-destructive as well. And there's actually so Aaron Westgate, the 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 professor who's working on um, this Mac model, uh, where she's trying to bridge the attention and meaning um, components of of boredom. She is right now working on a a study that you can actually participate in. You won't get oh. paid for it, but we'll also <laughs> drop the link. Um, that's actually trying to look at boredom, like kind of like in the wild, especially during COVID. Although now things are opening up so maybe the the data wouldn't be as good um but she like kind of took the COVID opportunity to look at what's going on um when people are actually feeling bored because so in the lab like the studies that we've talked about with like being shocked um or like making cool cup art like those <laughs> types of things you're not going to be doing in real life so in yeah. the lab you're really restricted so it's hard to say like are people going to go out and like do things similar to shocking themselves or are they going to be super creative and come up with all these amazing things? Um, and then the other alternative to doing that is doing like diary studies, which is um, the type of study where you kind of just have an alert on someone's phone or something like that. Or old school studies would be like a literal diary that you would give into the experimenters where every few hours you get asked a few questions. And so that would be like, did you feel bored? And when you felt bored, what did you do? Um, but they find that people feel bored, like, on average 30 minutes a day. And the boredom doesn't all come at the same time. So maybe you're bored for, like, five minutes. But especially now, if you're bored, you're going to be like, I'm going to do something. Like, I'm turning on YouTube. I'm turning on Twitter. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get out of this state because it's aversive. Um, and so during COVID, this is, like, an opportunity to actually see what do people do when they can't go outside? What do people do when they can't go talk to yeah. their friends? Um and so that data is going to be really cool because it's going to be kind of a first opportunity to see really how people respond. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Cause um, I also looked at a study that saw, saw that different people react to boredom differently. So I'm sure when she gets this data, there'll probably be, you know, different groups of people who respond to boredom differently. And so this study is done by Sammy Perone at Washington State. Um, and it's an EEG study. And I don't know if we've spoken about EEG in the podcast because I was thinking this, and I think we normally talk about MRI. And I think what's important to note is that EEG doesn't, um, you, so you can't tell the regions in the brain. It, it measures like the, 
brain waves, but you can't tell. So when we talk about MRI, we can talk about like prefrontal cortex and all these things. And EEG doesn't give you that the same data, um, but it can tell you, you know, what what re- well what areas of the brain are activated, but not the specific regions. So in this study, they asked people to um, fill out a survey about their boredom traits. And they assumed that when they were doing the EEG recording before the boredom task, there would be a different in difference in the in the data in the brainwaves. But they found that people from each group, people who were bored easily, and the people who weren't had had the same. But then they found out that it was different. Um, they had different results when they were performing the task. So in this task, they had to it was another putting pegs in things task, and it took it took ten minutes. And they found that one group had the left frontal part of the brain was more active. And this is associated when individuals are looking for uh, stimulation or distraction by thinking about something else. So that was the group of people who were like, oh, I don't really get bored. The people who say, oh, I do really get bored. The right frontal part of their brain was more active. And this means that they were having negative emotions and states of anxiety. So this study showed that people yeah responded differently and so what they did and they wanted they want to do future research and this is like okay well what do the people in the left activation group do like what do they do differently um because if this is something that gives people anxiety like they yeah if if there were ways that that could help so they found that the group of people who responded better they did things like make up a tune so when they were doing the class they would like make up a, a song that was something they had to do the next day. So they, they added something else additionally to the task. So they want to keep looking at, yeah, suggestions of people, what people can do um, when they're doing something boring. So they don't, they don't feel, you know, anxiety or things like that. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a really cool study because you also, it does make sense to think, okay, you know, the EEG would show when you're about to get bored. Um, yeah. but it's just that people really respond differently. Um, and also just, just to clarify something that Beth was talking about, like, cause she did mention, you'd mentioned like brain areas and those are like really broad areas. So it's not yeah, like yeah. So when, not- when we talk about like MRI data, that's like this teeny area that's like very specific, but this is more like the brain waves generally are coming from like the left side. Um, yeah. Imagine that- like the whole left side of the brain. Yeah. yeah. And you can see that just in the because it's like a bunch of electrodes on your head. Um, yeah. So that's EG, by the way, just just educating our friends. Um, and yeah, I think like an interesting idea that that was brought out by that study, which like looks at how you can kind of fix boredom is like this idea of like bringing in something that's important to you later on and like yeah. making your time kind of be um, efficient and so another researcher, uh, James Dankert, who, who wrote that, um, this, this pop psych book called Out of My Skull, um, he argues that, like, the most important aspect of getting out of boredom is, like, demonstrating your agency. So that's, to him, I kind of guess, like, yet another um, reason that you'd be bored is that there's nothing for you to, like, meaningfully engage in in your, in your current space where you can demonstrate your own agency. And so he says that boredom is a threat to this idea of agency. And um, the interesting part about that is that it's kind of hard to then prescribe ways to stop being bored because it really has right. to come from you. So it really has to be you figuring out what 
can make you not feel bored. And I think a lot of the things that we typically do, like, you know, going on social media or like binging some shows, like that's a passive sort of fix to boredom. But if you're, you know, these models say that you also have to find meaning. So, you know, if you're just doing that, are you really finding meaning? And you might still kind of feel bored and you might still feel quite listless. Um, But you should find something that is kind of meaningful to you. So I think that's something interesting to remember. And it also brings up something that um, another that Aaron Westgate was talking about, which is the fact that like this idea of boredom, we sort of have to remember that sometimes the things that we study in psychology, they're words that exist in our language, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they're the true thing that exists psychologically. Right. So this is something that like people have brought up for a lot of different concepts that like just because the word boredom exists doesn't mean that this the underlying process is the same. And so she even suggests the fact that it might be that attentional boredom and like meaningless boredom are actually like completely different things. Different things. Um, yeah. And there are other languages in which there's like different words for it. So apparently in Japanese, there's two words for boredom that kind of map onto these two different meanings. And um, in French, the word ennui is kind of more related to the meaningless boredom, especially as it relates to like, you know, romanticism in the 19th century. And like that idea of like ennui in English is also um, something that's more like listlessness and like not feeling connected yeah. to the world. Um, and apparently in German, the, the word for boredom maps onto the attentional component more. So that kind of begs the question of like right. whether people are then feeling boredom in a different way if you have these two words or one word or like these different ways of thinking about it. Um, So those are things that like psych still has to look into and that the research hasn't shown yet. And the fact that people argue that there are these two different components could really mean that there are different things, but we just happen to have one word. Because I would really think that, you know, feeling no meaning. And I just think I, yeah, personally, I feel like that's more associated with like depression and sadness and, yeah, you can feel bored within that, but I think that's very different to like reading a dense paper or being in a difficult talk and feel, feeling bored that. Like I, I I, wouldn't say that that's the same. Yeah, exactly. I agree. And and that's, I think that's an issue that needs to be resolved and that maybe those two things aren't the same um, because yeah. the two kinds of boredom are really characterized by these different, um, these different feelings. Um, yeah, yeah. But we just, you know, happen to call them the same thing and maybe that's that's really not how it is and maybe one is related to more negative um outcomes than the other like feeling meaningless probably is more is can take you to a darker place than just being like like, hating the out group (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) that's a potential one too um (laughs) yeah I think the boredom the boredom research is really interesting because you first of all because I think it's like an effective you wouldn't expect it to be because yeah you know um I'm sure if we told if we tell people our next episode is about boredom they're gonna be like okay no one's gonna want to listen that's true well if you're still here listener thank you (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah I I don't have anything else more to talk about but I thought we can I don't know if you do Beth no so that's yeah that's what I had covered but yeah I was really yeah I really enjoyed researching this topic I went into it thinking oh how good is this going to be and then it was a really nice surprise and 
interesting like to remember like I thought dreams would be so cool and it wasn't really anything um so this was a, a pleasant surprise and some of the things I was reading also were saying it because like boredom research isn't like a hot topic in science at all and that it should have more um attention paid to it because it is it is important and also it has implications for schooling and and all these things and there should be more emphasis on boredom research and I thought that yeah that makes sense yeah and I think it's important like I think the idea of feeling or knowing that boredom is an, an emotion is something good to pay attention to because your emotions tell you and guide you like to say what you're doing maybe isn't great and like the idea like that evolutionarily boredom kind of arose because like why would you have boredom why would you have an animal that's bored um but this arose to make sure that we're always exploring and that we feel okay this isn't right for me I need to go out and do more because otherwise you'd just be stuck in your your teeny little savanna two meters squared area for for your whole existence um and yeah that boredom is something to pay attention to that it's an emotion and your emotions are like the messengers of your body and mind so Next time you're bored, like maybe try to lean into it and see how it feels Um, because it could bring you something great. And if it brings you something bad, then maybe back off. Um, But yeah, try to meaningfully engage. Like that's the most important thing is like meaningfully engaging with the world around you. And I think that brings in stuff that we've talked about from curiosity, from mindfulness. Um, This is kind of like the anti-curiosity podcast in a way. but that it, it points you in a certain direction. So don't ignore it and don't don't try to escape it, I would say. In a Yeah. I think after reading this, I'm gonna try and pick up my phone less. That's my that's my goal. That's how I felt when I was doing the research. I was like, oh god. But then like a couple days later I was like back to my old ways. So yeah. I also read a tip that um you shouldn't when you're working I don't know if you have this would have like any email notifications on or any phone notifications because like you can't this was to do with like more attention than boredom but like the performance on tasks if you even have something that you're like oh, I'm not paying attention to that like emails and things popping up so yeah this made me be like okay all notifications off look at my phone less check my emails less I'm going off grid <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's the thing when I was when I was researching this topic, like when I was looking at the paper from um, from Erin Westgate, where she says, like, okay, if something is too easy, then, you know, add things to it, like put on the radio, put on a podcast, whatever. And I always do that. I'm a terrible, terrible, terrible multitasker. I do it all the time. But I think that like a thing like do it when something is too easy is like when you're vacuuming, not when you're like trying to code. And I do it all the time. Um, But then, so at first I was like, okay, I feel that I feel good. I'm just alleviating my boredom because coding is so easy. It's not. (laughs) Um, But like this other researcher at McGill, Daniel Levitin, he, he does research on like uh, basically multitasking and he's, he's like a psychologist and a neuroscientist. And he finds that when you like are shifting your attention from one thing to another, um, you your brain is like depleting its resources because that's a lot of work to shift um so when you're multitasking quote unquote you're not actually doing that you're just like really fast like going from one thing to the other thing and you're like yeah and you're depleting your glucose as you do that so really not a great thing so I 
I was kind of like, am I doing the right thing by like, leaving my I border? Do? <laughs> and I think, I think it comes back to this idea of like being scared to be bored. Um, yeah. And yeah, it made me feel like I need to pay attention to that. And I need to really think like, when is it that something is, is too easy and that you need to add something to it? And when is it that you're really just running from that feeling of boredom, which I think is become not the feeling of boredom, but the feeling of being scared of boredom, um, which I think is made worse by social media and all that stuff. So I guess we're ending this by saying, just lean in to the boredom. Lean in. And (laughs) thanks for listening to us for been a year now. Yeah. Yeah. For our, for our, the episodes in the studio, we've really cherished this beginning to the podcast. So thank you for, for yeah, next updates. Yeah, for season two, I guess. Season two. Yeah. Yes. Here we go. All right. The theme song won't change though. You guys already know. <laughs> so we're gonna take us out again with Glacio. Oh.